Welcome to the T-Squared Dad's Brown Bag Podcast. Here's your hosts, Kyle Baker and Dieter Burrell. Let me say this correctly again. Shadia. 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 Shadia Jaramillo is with us today. Thank you, Shadia, for for joining us on our podcast. And um, I just wanted to give you a a big congratulations for getting the uh, Associate of the Year from the AAA. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) I always kind of bring my guest to the podcast, and this sort of being a series of just like introducing people as to how they got involved in architecture and where are they now? So, you know, it's like, if you could tell us your story, what kind of triggered you and just, Hey, I think this is going to be a fantastic career or it just, you kind of just stumbled into it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just stumbled into it really. I mean, I, since I was really small, I always wanted to be a doctor for some reason. Um, there are no doctors in my family. Well, now there are, there is, who's my sister, but um I up to 12th grade I really wanted to be a doctor I wanted to be a plastic surgeon <laughs> nice and um things happen and I had a class it was a business class and we had to like develop this program and like make a model of a home um and we had to like route all the circuits and put little light bulbs in this house and Um, my dad really helped me. And I started thinking, wow, like maybe this is something that I do want to consider. And um, growing up, I watch Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a show that I really loved. And what I loved about it was like how they like were helping families through architecture and like Uh giving them the opportunity to have the spaces that they needed. And so I don't know, I just like it, something switched in me and I, I decided to pursue architecture. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Uh, what school did you go to? I went to the Faye Jones School of Architecture, the University of Arkansas. Oh, wow. So, oh my gosh, I, I would have thought you may have been, you know, and I guess it's kind of just me being from Miami and and mm-hmm. having friends in California. I would, I would have thought you were you would have been more in like South you know, you would yeah, have more, more of a Latin American community, I guess, yeah. but it was quite the opposite. <laughs> um, but it was great. I loved it. I, I loved living in Fayetteville, which is where the campus is. And um, there's like a very big international community just because we have so many international students at the U of A. And it, it was a great experience. I learned a lot and I was able to meet people from all over the world, which was really incredible. Was it, was it, uh, did you have any like horror stories with some certain professors or was it really a good experience? <laughs> no horror stories. I really had a, a great experience. I had a lot of professors that became my mentors and, um, I don't know. I have horror stories about being a resident assistant though, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> That'd be another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what's funny is like when I when I talk to people from the University of Florida, that's where I graduated from, they always kind of have a horror stories of, of a professor tearing their model and saying, look, listen, if you just took this apart and just just rip into their model and then leave yeah. it there, and say, I think this is much better than what you had before. I did have I did have that. I had like professors mark my drawings when they were pinned up and stuff, but I I never took it in a bad way. It, it was like constructive criticism, I, I would say. Um I think the hardest part of our architecture school was really the culture um, and 
it, it somehow directly translates to the profession where everybody's like working extra hours and mm. it, it feels like you have to be there. And I think that that was the most difficult part. And, and that's why I pursue becoming an RA because I second year, I just felt like I, I can do this for five years, being in studio 24 hours with the same people <laughs> um, all day long. I really needed a balance and I needed to like learn how to how to really manage my time. And I still pulled all-nighters, even though I, I became an RA, but I was able to meet people outside of architecture, which is important. I mean, networking is important. We collaborate with other disciplines. So it was a really great opportunity to have to become a resident assistant and be able to experience something completely different and develop my leadership skills and have all the training that they do. So it, it was really amazing. That's really good. Um I think for some of the people that are listening out there and you're young and you're thinking, you know, architecture might be one of those careers I might be interested in. There is that, you know, balance of like trying to learn how to manage your time. And then yeah. knowing that there's times that it don't, doesn't matter how much you balance it, you're going to have to put in those late nights. Yeah. yeah I, th I think that's a difficult part and it's definitely a learning curve that I'm still on. <laughs> I trying to manage my time and asking questions and how much is too much and you know like confidence I, I feel like what I see from architects that have a lot of experience obviously I just got licensed this year but what I see is that whenever that like confidence switch flips um, that's when you know it, it becomes easier uh, I'm trying to get there <laughs> Here, I got a question for you because this came up in another conversation with a, a buddy of mine from Connecticut once you got licensed, and this could be one of those things that you're still kind of like in the middle of, did you feel like you kind of now you were being treated to the to the big boys table after you got licensed or, or, or was it a good transition like you were still you had a good team around you like leadership wise is really what kind of sets that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I work at Goodwin Mills Gaywood. Um, I I honestly like didn't really feel that much different. I mean, I think my bosses and my coworkers always treated me like someone that's competent, you know, right. <laughs> and hopefully so as someone that like either knows what they're doing or is trying to learn to know what they're doing. So I, I mean, of course there's that, you know, line where like you've crossed the line, you're like now one of us licensed architects. Mm -hmm. And that feels really nice because it does like validate all the work that you've done up to this point. And you know, finally you got it done and everybody's happy for you. But I I don't think that from one day to another, you know, something is going to change. It's not something that grand that you, we all, as we are studying, we'll think, oh my gosh, once I get licensed, you know, that's it. But it's really, it's, it's really not. It's, you continue to learn, you continue to mm -hmm. become a better architect. And, you know, we're, we're all in that transition of, trying to figure out what we want to do and maybe like something that we're finding things that we're passionate about now that we're done studying because that's yeah. something else it takes so much time but to answer your question I I don't think I I felt that way that's good yeah. that's yeah. good I I felt in other offices um and while I was there as an intern I could see the behavior if you weren't a licensed architect, you kind of weren't brought up to the meetings. You were kind of invited sometimes, but it, 
even though you could be managing projects, it never kind of felt like you belong there. So in some form or fashion, they always kind of like either tucked down to you or just ever so slightly, you had that feeling like you couldn't say a word because it really didn't mean a lot. Yeah. So, but it's a cultural thing. I think every office has a culture that's either it's inherited by the previous architect leadership and or you just have good leaders that keep pushing that same approach it's like hey we're all kind of working towards the same goal we're all doing things together um that happening but i think like if if someone is leading an office and obviously i don't have you know i don't have uh experience in doing so but as someone that was at the bottom of the ladder you know um, you would hope that like they would want to invest in you because at the end of the day, you're part of, part of the pipeline. Like all of those people that are in leadership right now, they're going to retire and they want to play someone that's going to learn the skills, that's going to learn from them, that's going to have all the tools and resources that they need to become the next leader of the office. Right. And if they don't do that, then they're just wasting their time, you know? They're just yeah. wasting their resources. So you would hope that they would um, think that way. I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So you graduated. You didn't. I don't think you said the year you graduated at. Twenty eighteen. Five years okay. ago. Okay. Okay. So five years ago, then you got licensed. How was the struggle to get licensed? I know you had to go through the IDP program and all that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, no, called AXP. <laughs> oh, it's cold. Yeah, that's right. It's cold. Yeah, yeah, they changed it. But yeah, I had to go through all of that. I didn't really do an internship. I mean, I'm originally from Panama. So I didn't really get to do an internship here in the States. Um, mm -hmm. I did an internship back home. So I didn't really start acquiring hours up until I graduated and got my first job. So I finished with my hours, I think in two years or something like that, maybe two and a half really quickly. Oh, wow. And then um, I didn't start taking tests until the end of 2019. So November. Okay. So it took me like about three years. Yeah. I don't know if you heard Curtis's podcast. Uh, he did yeah, it in did. six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that like do get them done really fast. And I think, you know, like these tests, they're not difficult as we all like while we're in that journey, we're thinking, oh, I will never pass this test because I keep on failing it and whatnot. But I think it's all in our heads and you know, we all struggle with different things. Obviously, English is my second language. So for me, like reading the questions and understanding them properly was really key. Um, and then, you know, we're good at some topics better than others. And we just kind of have to balance that and find the study methods that really work for us. Mm -hmm. So I, I did have a bunch of fails. Um, but, you know, failure is the hey. first attempt in learning. So it hey, is what I it is. I'm with I'm with you. Um, I and I even went to the doctor because I said, doctor, there's, there's got to be something wrong with me. <laughs> I don't understand why I can, you know, it's like I, I need I need I need drugs. I said it's like and it's like, well, hold on a second, you know, because I was thinking that I, keep, I keep hearing people say get some focus medicine or something like that. And uh, she says um, I was a nurse practitioner. She says, why don't we run? A, why don't we figure out if you have like a sleep disorder? And this is for everybody that's listening out there. It's like, I, you know, I go to the grocery store. My wife, my wife tells me to go pick up three, three or four things. I show up. 
I would only remember one or two because I'm distracted by everything else and I forget. So I, I used to use tricks to like, you know, send me a text. You know, that way I won't miss anything. And I just kept wondering, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, why is my memory so just foggy? And uh, so I went in and, and did, because I was thinking there's gotta be something wrong with me. So we did the test and it comes back. I got, I was borderline sleep apnea. So, um, so they went ahead and put me in the machine. Yeah. Lo and behold, I had my first night's sleep in yeah. a long time. I felt like I was like, I didn't even feel my body. I was so dead in that one sleep that I felt like I couldn't feel like my arms. I had to look down and see if my arms were attached to my body and then start picking them up one by one. I'm like, oh my God, what a nice, because I, I, I didn't move that, that position. I didn't move out of that position. It just, I guess I zonked in. It's incredible, but anybody that's out there and they're struggling with testing because they have memory issues or anything, think about that. Because I had, I mean, I could show you the list and you'd be like, oh my gosh, you were, you know, you were like batting like one out of 10, you know, it's like, because I was really bad. And then after the, the machine, I was 50-50, like I was, okay, I got one, I got, and then that's when the doctor says, I think you, you were just, you were having a really bad time memorizing things because your brain was just not shutting down and it wasn't resting not resting and that's important i definitely recommend like for all those out there that are taking the test don't study the day before don't cram anything the day before really like rest well decompress and like try to set your brain and mind and you know physique mental everything to to focus on that next day and taking that test. Yeah, that's important. So you, you graduated and then five, five years, but the, the fact that you're from Panama and you came here and this is your second language. I mean, so you have like, you have all these things stacked against you and then you kind of just persevered and, and, and now you're, you just got licensed, what, beginning of the year or just a few months ago, I think, right? Yeah, a few months ago in April, officially in April. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. You know, it's like, welcome to the club. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like they say, um, it doesn't get any better from this point forward. It just gets, you know, they just pile more work your way. Well, that uh, gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, you guys, uh, GMC do fantastic projects. So you're going to have fun uh, looking back on the stuff that you guys are doing. So that that's a that's a great thing. And it looks like you, you kind of travel a lot from your, your LinkedIn uh uh, post it that you've been kind of going to the place, beginning awards, and you're kind of like all over. Can you tell us <laughs> a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm. I I am very passionate about serving, and and I think it comes from being an RA, because um, that's when I really truly started, like discovered the power of serving and impacting others and learning from others. So, um, uh, as soon as I moved to Florida, I joined AIA, and I just started kind of learning about it and um I was pushed to run for my first position as associate director mm. in our local component and then it just started from there and you know I've been trying to serve in the things that I'm passionate about which is the next generation and I recently went to Texas for the first time ever <laughs> um, and I spoke with uh, one of my friends Gabriela Bermea we actually went to school together we wow. spoke in the Austin Design Excellence Conference about the impact of 
serving your community or any organization and how mm. to trailblaze the path ahead. And I don't know, it's fun. I enjoy serving a lot. I just feel like I've been helped so much that um, I just want to give back, you know, as much as I can with the knowledge that I have. You know what I would, I would recommend you um, with your background is to uh, participate with the NCARB um, to help them. They have so many different areas where yeah, they, I was told about the think tank or something like that. Yeah, that, that, that's one. And they, and they have a lot of small, since you just got licensed, they're looking actively for people that just got licensed in a bunch of different uh, testing, creating the test, reviewing the test. I was part of that uh, with NCARB. And uh, I think I think with your background and the nice thing about serving with NCARB, and I don't know if they've kind of changed this, but they used to fly you out to like Los Angeles, New York, Dallas, Atlanta, uh, Washington, D.C., I think Miami, and they treat you, you know, it's like room room and, and, and uh, food for lunch, I think, and the evenings are you're pretty much free to do stuff. And some people have actually seen that they take ex extra days, you know, like uh, they take their spouses too. Uh, they go out and they enjoy the city. I mean, I went one time uh, with Kristen to California and while I was stuck in that, uh, in that NCAR uh, meeting the whole day, she was just gallivanting, you know, going, you know, going <laughs> to the museums and all that stuff. And I go, it must be nice, Kristen. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it is for me. Every time I'm volunteering and I have to travel somewhere, you know, for us, it's mainly work, but for the significant others, it's fun, fun, fun. It <laughs> but is. yeah, there are a lot of opportunities out there. So if anyone's looking, is passionate about a specific topic, you know, they can find, they can definitely find a group they can serve in. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you for joining us and uh, hopefully we can talk about some other things next time we're, we're, we're back and we can do a nice recording in our podcast. Uh, for everybody that's listening out there, uh, don't forget to subscribe and uh, see, you, see, see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dieter. Thanks for listening to the T-Squared Dad's Brown Bag Podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and we will talk to you next time.